okay? I can. You're in such a... You have such like scenic background forest, oh, like yeah. sunshine coming through the window vibes right now. I'm trying to record instead of from my usual location, which is in bed. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to uh, sit in like the cabin, you know, like that's mm-hmm. the recording place. Instead of having like a jumble of cords in the bed that I sleep in and eat chips yeah. in. It's already enough that I eat chips in bed. Right. All right. Much less you bring an entire recording studio worth of equipment into the equation. Right, 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 right. So, welcome. Welcome to my recording studio, Hava. Wow. Thrilled to be here for the first time. Michael. Oh, yes. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I have a Jewish story I kind of want to tell you. Okay. I need to run by you. Lay it on me. I was talking to my cousin on my dad's side, Okay. Okay. And my cousin on my dad's side told me a story that my mom told her about my cousin on my mom's side's boyfriend. Okay? You follow along? Okay. Sure. Your mom had some kind of experience with your cousin's boyfriend. Is this a web of relationships important to the story? (laughs) Of course it is. It's a Jewish story. It's very important. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, apparently, this is second, third hand now. My mom was on the Cape. On mm-hmm. Cape Cod, like my family likes going to the Cape, and my cousin yeah. was there with her boyfriend, right? So they go to the beach, they go to the bayside, and the boyfriend, he refuses to take off his shoes when he walks on the beach. He just refused. He did not want to take off his shoes. Oh. And he had like nice shoes on with like socks and the whole deal. Okay. Didn't want to walk on the sand, none of it. Mm-hmm. Fine, whatever. They go back to the beach on the ocean side of the Cape. And suddenly, he's okay taking off his shoes. He takes off his shoes, he walks in the sand, and everything's fine. What do you make of that, Okay. What do you make of that? He thought the other side was gross, I guess? Yeah, that could be true. I don't know why. I don't know why either. I don't know. I don't know. Just it's a mystery. I just think it's a red flag, that's all. Oh, so that's the end of the story is we still don't know to this very day. Right, we don't know to this very day. And the mystery of why your cousin's boyfriend wouldn't take off his shoes haunts our family through the generations. He would take his shoes off on the right side of the cape, but not on the left side of the cape. I don't know what that's about. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the fact that you felt that this qualified as a story at all reveals to me how Jewish of a story it is. I don't know. I just felt compelled to share it. Yeah. You'll take your shoes off on one side, but not on the other side. Wouldn't you think you're too good for this side? That's what I was thinking. I don't know. Your shoes are too nice. My childhood shoe story is that my cousin got like um, glitter jelly sandals when we were kids and we all took a trip to the beach and i was really jealous because i was a baby gay and i wanted glitter sandals but i couldn't have glitter sandals uh because trans misogyny you know began striking at a very young age and then we went to the beach and she lost her jellies in the ocean and she was crying and she's saying my jellies my jellies a shark's gonna eat my jellies and i was just cackling oh my god <laughs> a little little seven-year-old me just like <laughs> that's what you get did you steal the jellies no they they were lost into the ocean as okay. far as i know shark did eat them okay all right fine i assume fine fine fine, fine. well how are you hava besides evil baruch hashem I'm well, I'm sleepy. I don't know why I'm so sleepy today. I got enough sleep. I mean, you know, you're always sleepy. Oh, yeah. You know what it's like. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. But I understand that there are people out there who aren't sleepy. So that's my, my primary complaint. But otherwise, I, I'm, I'm having a pretty chill, pretty chill day so far. You know, I uh, it was my birthday this past weekend. Turned 33. Had a cute time. Hung out with the boys. What? Uh, what? It was your birthday? How did I miss your birthday? It's in my calendar. It was, was August it August 13th. Oh, my God. Well, 33. I don't know. You know. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> um, How do we have to wake celebrate? Wake up and smell the birthday. We have to celebrate. <laughs> That's just... Okay. Happy birthday, Hava. Thank you very much, Michael. I feel like a failure as a friend. Let's let's make your birthday about me for a second. Talk about how I'm a <laughs> let's failure. refocus this onto my feelings about your birthday. Yeah, it was my birthday. My mom got me a subscription to Audible, so I get one free audiobook a month now, which I'm pretty excited about. Wow! Had a delicious chocolate cake and some Panda Express, which is exactly what I wanted for my birthday meal love the panda yeah so you know time marches inexorably forward my sleepiness only grows and you know i just like spend my spend my days looking up things on safaria and and eating baby carrots with ranch what more is there in life yeah i'm not sure uh i've been Wondering that for a long time, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of us have. I think it's a big question around the office, the cosmic office. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm good. I'm chilling. I'm vibing. I'm excited for this question we're going to talk about today. It's a fun question. It is a fun question. It is a hard question that is really impossible for anyone to answer. Like all good questions. Like all good questions. It might not be answerable in human language, if it is answerable at all. Right. Maybe in the language of the trees. Maybe in the language of the palm trees, as we've learned. A listener said they really liked our language of the trees episode. Spotify has like a new question and answer section where you can answer, like put little comments on the episode. And they said it was beautiful. Oh, that's very nice. So thank you, listener. Yes, thank you. You're beautiful. Uh, would you like to read the question, Hava? That was sent no. To us. You read the question. Oh, okay. I read always the question. read the question. All right, all right, all right. Okay. Howdy. My name is Redacted. That's not the real. I just redacted their name. I've been loving the show. A friend of mine introduced it to me recently, and I've been binging it. I had a question. What does the Talmud have to say about the problem of evil? I've heard many Christian and Muslim theodicies, but the only Jewish one I've ever heard basically said it's better not to know the reasons for evil or we would lose some of our humanity, but that doesn't actually answer the question. Other Jews I know say stuff like maybe God isn't all-powerful or all-loving or maybe they aren't all-knowing, but I'm curious what the Talmud and you two have to say on the matter. That is the question. Thank you, listener, for sending it in. So for those of you who don't already know, a theodicy is basically the exercise of asking the question, how can there be a good God but also evil exists in the world. How can those two things be compatible? And how you answer that question is a, uh, often a big defining quality for what religion you're a part of. For instance, a lot of Christian denominations might be like, well, there's like the devil and we're inherently sinful and this is all part of God's greater plan to redeem us. So basically evil exists in the world because it's part of God's bigger plan. It's a necessary evil. You could poke holes in that and say, if God really wanted to, God could do it without evil if they really were all powerful, but that's a Christian theodicy rabbit hole that we're not going down. But really the question just boils down to, 
if there's an all-powerful God who's good, how can there be evil in the world? What do the Jews have to say about that? Yeah, yeah. And what you described, who knows, that might even be a Jewish theodicy as well. But how did you answer the question, Hava? I'm curious. Well, I just brought a trillion texts. The first one I brought, I think, really characterizes a classic Talmud response is from Pirkei Avot, uh, chapter 4, where we read, Rabbi Yanai said, it's not in our hands to know either why the wicked are secure or why the righteous are afflicted. And then I have a, a further analysis to offer because the f- thing that comes after this, seemingly unrelated, is Rabbi Matya ben Cheresh said, upon meeting people, be the first to extend greetings, be a tail unto lions and not a head unto foxes. Be a tail unto lions means like follow after greatness, and unto foxes means be careful who you hang out with. Yeah, so Rabbi Yanai says basically, we don't get to know. That's just a, f- a phenomenon of the world, which is a classic answer to theodicy is just like, tough luck. It's outside the range of human knowledge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the reason I wanted to bring the follow-up from Rabbi Matya ben Cheresh, which is very like ordinary ethical advice of always be the first to greet people and make sure you're run with the right crowd, is because I think it I think it's intentionally put right up next to this answer to say like not only don't worry about the question, but also like keep your eyes on the ground, like keep your side of the street clean. That's all you need to worry about. Yeah, which it doesn't really answer the question. Yeah. I mean, it just sort of dismisses the question mm-hmm. as right, right. invalid. Right, 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 right. Which I think is a pretty frequent Jewish response to this totally. question totally. In, in rabbinic literature is sort of like tough luck, get over it. That's basically the whole point of the book of Job, which I love. You know, all this shit happens to Job and he's like, damn, God, like, I have been faithful my whole life. How could you let this happen to me? And God's like, first of all, I invented the hippopotamus, so maybe you shut the fuck up. And that's the book of Job. <laughs> so that's my first answer. What's your first answer, Michael? I was trying to, like, get to what is, like, the metaphysical explanation for evil. Mm-hmm. I went down some Kabbalah rabbit holes. There's this general idea that I'm going to totally mess up explaining, but free will is like huge in Judaism. Free will Mm -hmm. is pretty, I think, a majority belief among the sages for sure. Mm -hmm. And so in order to create the ability for humans to choose to bring God into the world or godliness into the world, they need to have the ability to not choose that. So evil is just the negation of the ideal choice that should be made. So that's like one aspect. If the most awesome thing is the ability for conscious beings to choose to cleave to God, then there needs to be a choice that isn't that. So it's like an indirect consequence of the creation of free will by the divine or something like that. So that's like one Kabbalistic idea. What do you think in Hava? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think there's arguments against that, but I get it. The the deal is basically for it to be a meaningful choice, there has to be an alternative. And so for goodness to really exist, there has to be badness. Again, I think a not exclusive to Jews answer, but a solid one. And then there's this concept in like Sephirot, Tree of Life, Kabbalah. There's this idea of kapilot, which translates to peels or shells. Yeah, klipot. Yeah, klipot. The divine light energy force, whatever, it 
gets surrounded in these kalipot and that's the source of evil like the thing that needs to contain the divine energy is this like shell or husk of like non-goodness that isn't like Mm -hmm. the real truth so i wanted to bring a thing from the zohar which talks about this great bring it tell me about the klipa so this is from the Zohar Bereshit 9. When the moon was united with the sun, the moon had its own light. But after the moon was separated from the sun, it descended to the world of Briah, which is one of the four worlds of that, you know, all the stuff in the universe kind of filters through before it congeals into our reality. It right. goes down into a lower world, Briah, and was placed in charge of the hosts of that world. And it belittled itself and diminished its own light. So the Kelipot upon Kelipot were created, one above the other to conceal the inner part. All this occurred to complete the light of the inner part, because without a shell no fruit can be had. This is the reason why it is written, let there be luminaries. Uh, And luminaries is this word, ma'or light or light bear but it can be spelled without a vav and then it means curse as in the word ma'era so this light this divine light is both luminous but it can be concealed in a curse and this is like the kelipot and all of this was apparently done for the perfection of the world therefore it is written to give light upon the earth in genesis as these kelipot emerged in the secret of the shell that preceded the fruit. So there you go. Some Kabbalistic talk about how somehow the evil needs to be there in order to encapsulate the divine light that we're all trying to liberate ultimately through our actions and doing mitzvahs in the real world. Right. I mean, this feels basically parallel to the Christian theodicy we talked about at the top of the episode. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Which is like, it's all part of a bigger plan. It feels connected also to the simsum, the the divine withdrawal and the the divine self-impregnation that we talked about in our Russian doll series. Yeah, yeah. Basically, we talked about this idea that like one of the reasons the universe existed is because God wanted it to essentially because god was like wouldn't it be cool if i was able to experience myself it feels like a similar like part of that same plan of wouldn't it be cool if i was able to experience myself was like i need to add some conflict into this narrative to create narrative tension so that the resolution is satisfying and that conflict comes in the form of the klipot aka evil Right, but like at the end of the day, even that isn't very satisfying. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the main tenets of the philosophy is if God is all-powerful and all-good, how can evil exist? And this sort of implies that God is not all-good because God created evil for whatever reason. So you either have to accept that evil is ultimately good in the big picture of things, like on a universal scale, evil is necessary for the greater good, or that God is not all good. God's maybe a little, little more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe the concept of uh, good and evil are not attributes that are uh, meant to be applied to God at all. That they are attributes that are constructed by something to be used to refer to characteristics of human beings, not not mm-hmm. divine. Yeah. So two other answers that I brought. One is, I think, a really important and classic one, which is just that sometimes the Jewish answer has been despair, 
basically. The whole book of Ecclesiastes is very focused on this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, we read, And then I saw scoundrels coming from the temple and being brought to burial, while such people who had acted righteously were forgotten in the city. And here's another frustration, the fact that a sentence imposed for evil deeds is not executed swiftly, which is why men are emboldened to do evil. The fact that a sinner may do evil a hundred times and his punishment will still be delayed. For although I'm aware that it will be well with those who revere God since they revere him, and it will not be well with a scoundrel and he will not live long because he does not revere God, here is a frustration that occurs in the world. Sometimes an upright man is requited according to the conduct of the scoundrel. And sometimes the scoundrel is requited according to the conduct of the upright. And I say that all is frustration. I therefore praised enjoyment. For the only good a man can have under the sun is to eat and drink and enjoy himself. That much can accompany him in exchange for his wealth through the days of life that God has granted him under the sun. Okay, so just be a be a hedonist, basically. Yeah, the Kohelet in this case is basically like, Seems like evil and good, their reward and punishment is arbitrary, which means they're basically not being kept track of (laughs) on the divine scale. Basically, like evil exists in the world because everything is pointless and all you can do is get yours while you can. An interesting thing about Kohelet is, is I've heard a literary criticism theory that the last part of Kohelet was sort of appended onto it by later editors because the whole book is basically like this, sort of saying, like, everything is fucked. Everything's meaningless. Nothing is new. Evil doesn't get punished. Good doesn't get rewarded. So just chill out, basically. But then the last two verses of Kohelet are, the sum of the matter, when all is said and done, is revere God and observe his commandments. For this applies to all mankind, that God will call each and every creature to account for everything unknown, be it good or bad. The sum of the matter, when all is said and done, revere God and observe his commandments. So mm-hmm. okay. before that, the, the the writer of Ecclesiastes is like saying the opposite, the complete opposite, saying that wrongness and rightness are not kept track of and fuck all this. But I think whoever stuck that book into the biblical canon was like, we can't have that be the ending. <laughs> That's not going to fly. I do like despair as an answer. You can carry that troubling thought with you. I think maybe that can be a screen. I I don't know. It it is sort of a bit of a screen for me. Like if people aren't troubled by that, by by evil, by the existence Mm -hmm. of evil. I think one of the things that a lot of these responses have in common, the Jewish responses, are that they sort of accept the premises of the theodicy and say, yeah, maybe God isn't all powerful or all good. Judaism, historically, um, this sort of falls off in the medieval era, but for a lot of Jewish history, Judaism has been pretty willing to accept a god that is a little bit flawed and has a few weaknesses. Maimonides really becomes a, a strident proponent of a god that is sort of like completely transcendent, completely powerful, completely knowing. But before that point, Judaism is a little more okay with a god that theodicy isn't really an issue for. Theodicy is really only a problem if you need a god of absolutes, a god that is absolutely powerful and absolutely good. But if you're willing to be a little flexible in that, then then theodicy becomes a lot less of an issue. I can see that. I can see that. Doesn't resonate with me, that mentality. Interesting. I'm into it. 
you're into it. You're into yeah. it. I'm, I'm kind of into it. good and bad don't apply to God. They're like labels that don't right. make sense. And it's actually more like you're just chilling in the Tao or whatever. I don't know what I'm saying. Listener, why'd you ask this question? <laughs> to mess with us. I mean, I feel like I accept that there could be a God that's all powerful. I tend to veer towards this the Spinozan definition that oh dog barking. I tend to veer towards the Spinozan definition of God that God is the sum of all natural forces. Basically like God is the world and the world is God. Everything that exists seen and unseen sort of all adds up to be one unnameable, indescribable force of gods. And I believe that that could be all-powerful because it's all that there is. But I also believe that it wouldn't necessarily be all good because everything that exists isn't all good. I just basically don't believe in a God that um, sort of like is separate from creation. You know, I think we're all sort of co-creating what God is going to be all the time. Okay, so do you have like a metaphysical explanation of where the evil in the world comes from, in the universe comes from? I mean, I don't think it comes from or goes to anywhere. I think people just do stuff, and by logic, that stuff is a part of God, since everything is. But then, like, why do why do we only praise God? Like, couldn't we also have blessings that are like, fuck this, like, what the hell? I mean, we just talked about two whole books of the Bible that are primarily upset with God. But are they directly upset with God or are they directly upset with the conditions on the ground? There's never a direct, like, we're always (laughs) praising God and we're complaining about the conditions of the ground, but we're not complaining about God, right? Sure. I mean, I guess my personal answer would be God is is a name for the whole rather than the part and I think the practice of sort of always praising the whole is sort of accepting that it is beyond our, there's no way we can ever, um, like in a intellectual sense, understand what's going on with the whole of everything, Mm -hmm. past, future, seen, unseen, all the dimensions, all the four worlds of Kabbalah, you know, everything. And so adopting a default stance of blessing and gratefulness just makes sense as a as a better way to navigate life to me you could you could also say i i don't understand everything so i'm just going to be mad at it all the time but i can personally attest <laughs> that that's not a super great way to live so it's it's better to be thankful and happy than mad and sad yeah by default okay yeah Seems right to me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's testable. It's a testable hypothesis, whether that works very well as a lifestyle. So, you know, don't take my word for it. Anyway, okay, so, wow, we just gave you a mess, listeners. Yeah, we gave you a mess, but also Jewish responses to theodicy are a mess, you know. There's no unified Jewish theology that is like universally approved by Jews everywhere. So, of course, the answer to theodicy is going to be similarly disorganized. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Yep. My gut is it has something to do with free will, listener. So, there you go. All right. Got to have some skin in the game. Got to have some skin in the game. Thank you for bringing the question. Yes, thanks for your question. Uh, Thanks for being one of our beloved listeners. Thank all of you out there, you know out there in the in the different parts of God that you are a part of. Y'all are great. 
we'll bring you some more stuff soon. Shavuot Shavuotov.